Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. And if it is your first time listening with us, welcome. Here's some stuff that you need to know. Thing number one, there's a subscribe button that is on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to. There's a subscribe button over there. If you like what you hear today, click that so you never miss out on anything. Also, if you're new, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can reach out and comment if you have any ideas for any other bands that we should do. Uh, Be sure to also follow us on YouTube because we're about to start posting some episodes and some uh, more content on there. And if you're not new and you are a hardcore lover of good music, we have something special just for you which is the patreon if you subscribe to us on patreon you get all the episodes early a little special thing for you and the coolest thing is you get access to the after hours which is a segment that we do after the podcast is over after all the the newbies listen to the good part of the podcast that we, that everyone gets there's a special after hour segment just for the hardcore fans where we talk about uh a lot more about uh the band's uh, and we kind of lab about ideas about the podcast. So if you want exclusive content, that's where you get it. And the link for that is in the description of this episode. But today, Lucas, we've been doing this for a little while. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think I give you the honor of uh, introducing it. Yeah, so uh, this is a new episode in our little spinoff series that we've been doing on uh, the history of music. It's something that I have had so much fun doing and I have learned a lot and I'm a big history fan just in general. That's kind of one of the subjects that just fascinates me the most. I'm not an abstract person. I really like facts and stuff that really happened and of course history as far as we know really happened yeah so until it's been proven otherwise um i've just had a lot of fun with uh learning the history of music because i found so much that you understand the the music when you understand the context that goes around it And so for this episode, which we're talking about the music of ancient Rome, um, I actually took a legit college course, a 48-lecture course on Audible to prepare for this episode just all about ancient Rome. And I had so much fun going through it. And I literally did the whole thing in a week. That was 24 hours worth of content. 
Because <laughs> each okay. lecture was 30 minutes. So, um, so I'm going to be coming with a lot of, a lot of fact on this, but the funny thing is, is that still a lot of mystery surrounds the music of this era because we still are not at a point where music has been written down or if it has been, we don't have it anymore. So hmm. sad. So, uh, so all and, these songs are just guesses still. Yes. And an issue that I had with coming up with the material for this episode is unlike the uh, the Greek episode where I had so much Greek music to choose from in the Roman music on Spotify I had very little to choose from we actually only have one record slash album slash collection yeah I was able to find like three or four and that one was the only one that First off, I felt was accurate, and second of all, felt like was actually any good. <laughs> <laughs> the that was the one I listened to. I was just like, okay, I can I can pull some stuff from this. Yeah. So, but it was a in a way it was a it was more difficult because I had to really dig yeah. for it. Where with Greek our Greek music episode. There was so much ancient Greek music on Spotify that I had to look through so much to find the right songs. So how far, how far past? So we did ancient Greek music. How I guess how how many how many years from kind of our research into the Greek culture to now the Roman culture? So um, the ancient Greek period that we looked at was around like four to three hundred BC, and so now we're moving. Really, it's kind of a, a direct continuation. Um, I want to say, and around like one fifty is when Greek became a Roman uh, city-state, became a protectorate. So. We're looking at around the time of 150 BC to the fall of Rome in 476 AD. So that's we're looking at the period where the where time itself turns, where we cross year zero and go into kind of what we call now the modern era, which is the last 2020 years. So we're starting to move closer. This is going to be our last episode where we deal with the ancient world. We're not going to have ancient in front of um, our episode titles anymore after this one. Hmm. And this is going to be, thankfully, the last episode where we're going to be guessing on what the music sounded like. And whenever we get to next month's, we'll actually know 100% for sure what the music sounds like. That's nice. That's always that is, nice to actually be able to talk about it as it is. Yes. I just, yeah, I just finished the research for it this week, and it was such a pleasant experience because there was so much more information to pull from. Good. Good. But okay. I, 
I still felt like I was able to get a good amount for this episode, enough for us to uh, to talk about. But um, what's interesting about Roman culture in general, and this applies to the music as well, is that the Romans, as far as societal um, progresses, they weren't as much known for being incredible innovators uh, when it comes to art, literature, architecture, and music, kind of the, 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 the arts in a, in a way. Um, you actually don't find a whole lot of original Roman masterpieces, not in the same way that the Greeks did. They're more of like a, a political infrastructure superpower, I would think, right? Be- yeah, I mean, they're, they're more on the execution idea side than the art side. Their innovations sure. were much more in government and military. Um, you know, they were the gr- – I would still say they're probably the greatest military force to ever walk the earth mm-hmm. um, from everything that I learned about them. Yeah, the way that they um, ran their – their empire, although, you know, towards the end it got pretty sloppy, but, you know, the whole idea of democracy and republic and having a Senate and, you know, elections, that all really comes from them, all of our ideas. The Founding Fathers very much paid attention to what the Romans did, and, you know, the U.S., government is very highly um, influenced by it. And of course, you know, their infrastructure, their ability to create large cities and um, their system of roads, all that stuff. Absolutely. They were very innovative, but when it came to the arts, they tended to just amalgamate whatever was around them. And just kind of, um, I guess, put their own spin to it, but not like sit down and go, we're going to do something completely new. There's not a whole lot of um, classic Roman art. There's, I mean, there is, but not to the level that the Greeks did. The Greeks, I would say, were more proficient and more revolutionary in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, you do have great Roman architecture like the Colosseum and the Colossus and but again, a lot of like infrastructure projects. Yeah, but also a lot of that was was modeled after Greek style. Yeah. So so all I'm hearing is Rome is just a giant cover band. Essentially, yes. <laughs> okay. But you also get that when, um, like, Rome is expanding their empire rapidly and so many cultures are able to have access to the capital. Uh-huh. Because I was even noticing in in the music for this week, I was like, there's a lot of different instrumentation that's being used. Yeah, in I noticed that too, yeah. Yeah. One strong characteristic of Roman culture and something that they were the first to do of any civilization was 
um, they were the first true melting pot civilization in world history as far as whenever they would conquer different places uh, the citizens there if they prove themselves to be loyal and valuable then they could become citizens as well and not just um, servants or mm-hmm. or you know considered foreigners under the care of the Roman Empire they could actually become Romans even if they weren't born in where Rome is based in Italy So that was a brand new thing. And you can also apply that to the music. They assimilated whatever they took in. They took ideas. They would see something and they'd go, that's a great idea. Let's see if we can do that and do it better. And they did. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, The Romans conquered the world just because they were better at doing everything than everyone else, not because they invented it but just yeah, because they would, they they would just something. go in <laughs> yeah they would go like, and be like, that's a good idea yeah we're uh, gonna do that do you know where the the ancient city of carthage is mm-hmm. yes so in north africa so they didn't have any kind of navy until they saw carthage's navy and they were like huh we'll do it we'll make a navy so then they made a navy and they beat carthage's navy with it yes yes i remember this in the Punic War, so it's just that was yeah. that's the Roman mindset of just anything you can do, I can do better. Hmm, that's a great mindset. And so we I mean, can it's, also, a, it's a toxic mindset if you're in the band with the person who's doing the other thing. But yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of attitude that we can approach to the music as well. Yes, we do have some innovations as far as, you know, new instruments that are being brought in. Uh, As you can hear, we have some more modern-sounding horn instruments making their way in here. Um, But a lot of the instruments are also just improved versions of what we saw in our ancient Greek episode. And so... That's kind of what we're looking at. Wow. That was a lot of condensed information. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's just like, dang. I, All right. I will I will say one thing that I noticed was we are getting closer and closer to having ideas, musical ideas and musical gimmicks and nuances that you hear in today's music. I mean, there was one um, song that we'll talk about that has harmony, but one of the instruments is only playing the fifth. And that's just, that's a surefire way that even today you can get great harmony, the two and the five. Um, a lot of worship music, if you just play the the ninth chords, you know, for like a, for like a four or five, it just, it sounds beautiful because you're still using that same five. And that, and the fact that, you know, we know enough about them to know that they probably did something like that too. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there are some steps forward that are being taken here. Um, Some, some interesting things that I noticed and we'll talk about them more specifically when we look at each of the songs is um, 
we have this shift towards repeating melodies where we have musical yep. themes mm-hmm. rather yep. than in our pr- both of our previous episodes, the music has a much more wandering feel to it. It's more about just wandering from section to section and not having as much structure. Where now here we're having themes that are being uh, presented, expanded upon, and played over and over again. Almost like we're now starting to hear some lyrical hooks. Yeah. That, that almost sounds like what you were just saying about Rome. They do that about themselves, about their own little tidbits of music. They they take it and they improve it and they improve it, but it's not it's not like every section is completely new. It's just enough new to be fresh and something special, mm-hmm. you know, on its own. And I think, did you mention during the ancient Greek episode that, that uh, Greek music had a certain context to it? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the same way here. So remind me what you mean by context. Well, as far like as... It, music was all over. It, it was it was a big part of their lives. Yes. Uh, they shared the same sentiment. Um, okay. Pretty much, you know, music was kind of a big deal until they came into contact with the Greeks and again, they just they kind of adopted that. Uh, oh yeah, music super important. Yeah, we'll make it super important too. Hmm. How so, much did the Romans will, copy from the Greeks? Uh, quite a bit. I will be sure to ask you about the context of every song. I put for my notes on every song context question mark. Okay. Just to make sure I don't forget, because they each have their own mood that I think emotionally they kind of portray to the, I mean, obviously we're limited in what we can do, but but kind of be part of the emotional arc that usually we'd have on every episode. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I want to make sure I'm getting everything right. So I'll be sure to ask you All right. if, if you're able to provide that. I don't know. I will do my best. <laughs> I was actually wondering. Um, also, whenever we were talking about Greek, a lot of those, a lot of the Greek music was written based on the, um, I guess, the context of um, like theater, like writing it for theater. Uh-huh. Is there any of that kind of overlap for Roman music? So actually, this this whole record that we picked all the songs from is actually from. Uh, traditional Roman dance. Really? These are actually all songs that are meant to have dance accompaniment to it. So we actually don't have any religious songs in here. We have, again, because of the limited amount of music that I had to work with this time, I don't have as much diversity on um, the, the places that it's played or the the intentions for it being played they're all essentially serving the same function of you know it's meant for performance theater or and dance but you know obviously the moods are different the we can speculate on maybe what kind of dance would go along with each piece um 
And I did a I did a little bit of research on the actual group that did these songs, and you know, from what I could tell, they're the most historically accurate of the music that I had come across. Like this is played by you know professors that have studied this and have looked at all the archaeological evidence and um, have put this together in an academic way to where it's not just musicians going, oh, I bet I wonder what Roman music sounds like. Let's get our instruments, boys, and and take a stab at it. <laughs> yeah. Anybody that, can yeah. do it. That just sounds like <laughs> power metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay, sorry. That's so, yeah, about we're... the theater. I guess I would also be interested as well because, again, whenever we talk about the Romans as a whole, there's, I mean, a, a huge chunk of that is military. I would be mm-hmm. interested to know because you said that their the place of music and the arts and culture was was still esteemed because they kind of took that culture from the Greeks. Do you have any more context on like on any of that? Like, because whenever you were talking about the Greeks, it was like everyone learned an instrument because it was like uh, kind of almost like what made you like a holistic person, you know? Mm-hmm. They were not as dogmatic about it as the Greeks were. Um, it's actually one of the things that I found that just they were not as uh, obsessed with mastering music the way like the Greeks that one of the Olympic games would be music proficiency alongside running and discus throwing. You would have people that would play instruments and you would be merited based on skill. There's no evidence of that in Rome. From everything that I researched, there was just astonishingly little about how the music served in their culture, which was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a lot more information about what music meant to the Greeks than it did to the Romans, other than the Romans pretty much just kind of picked up where the Greeks left off, but they also didn't pursue it as um, obsessively as the Greeks did. Was there like a music revolution in terms of like their military? Like was their military using music for any of their Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely, you know, would have drums to help keep uh, the march in time. They would have horns and you know, kind of your typical um, wartime instruments just for, you know, for marching and for communication to sound the attack. But, I mean, just, yeah, there's just a very little information on exactly how all the music was used. We do know that there were amateur um, touring circuits that you could go on. Uh, we know this because Emperor Nero, who was the fifth or sixth emperor, he was an aspiring uh, violin player. 
<laughs> and instead of taking care of the state and doing what an emperor should, he would force um, delegates to come listen to his terrible recitals. <laughs> and he would lock the doors to make sure that no one left. And if anyone tried to leave, they would be killed. Wow. He's that bad. Yeah. Yeah, he was <laughs> He was a bad... Well, but bad at violin, I mean. I mean, I'm and pretty so, bad at violin. I don't know if I'm that bad, but... And so he would go to uh, competitive music uh, tournaments, but of course, because he was the emperor, he would win, even though he was bad. So we do know that there was some kind of competitive music environment. Oh, wow. Already getting competitive. Oh, it was, like I said, it was competitive in the Greek times as well. It was one of the Olympic Games. Oh, right, right, right. Was was music. But... I'm, so, I'm kind of surprised that we don't know as much about the music of Rome, because Rome was kind of like that the first I mean, gl- global superpower. I guess you would I mean, the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Right? We, we have a lot of information about the Greeks because the Greeks didn't put all of their information in one lighthouse that burned down. Yeah. Sorry, not one, like, one library. I think the likely um, explanation is that probably most of their music was put on paper and the paper was destroyed. Man. And so we just I I guarantee that music was an important part of their culture, but we just got unlucky in the fact that we were able to find and even still with the Greeks we have found much more much can't speak tonight. We have much more of it, but it's still very small. Hmm. One thing I did, and notice. we don't have, and we we don't have the 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 philosophers of the Roman era like we did in the Greek era that wrote constantly about the virtues of music, the nature of music, how it relates to the cosmic, um, yeah, you know, existence. Like we have the the works of Aristotle and Plato and Pythagoras and these people that really wanted to understand the mysteries of music and and how it connected to the universe. We don't really have as many minds like that in the time of Rome. They weren't a very philosophical bunch. They were much more practical, pragmatic, you they know. Just, yeah. The great minds were the military minds. Right. Or the or the government leaders, not the people that were professional thinkers. One thing I was noticing, same as what Grant was saying, is there were a lot of, I feel like, big musical developments between the time, between Greek music and Roman music. And I'm wondering wondering if those things were assimilated from other lesser known cultures, because it's like, for the really the first time we have like, the implication of a chord structure, even though we're not like hearing it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like the way that the melodies are being written, it's not like, like Greek music was really big on like we're gonna hold out like this one chord and we're gonna just play over this one chord. Yeah. Now we're getting melodies that are more 
complicated and even if there's not like like in in most of the songs there's not like a bass tone that's like letting you know exactly what the chord is like western music now mm-hmm. but it was still like oh i can like fo- i my ear is following like melodically where this is going i wonder if that like again like rome being the first global melting pot of culture i wonder if that it's almost like I, i'm just wondering like i wonder where that came from the the it's almost like where did like where did chords come from <laughs> yeah question, um, but that that is a good question um i don't really have the answer for it but i can uh kind of give an overview of kind of the different territories that could have potentially influenced uh the music coming in at this time so you've got music obviously coming in from the italian peninsula from greece and then you also have uh music from the middle east from israel and assyria and um kind of just that eastern side of the mediterranean you've got um influences coming from germany and france and spain and britain as well as all of north africa so with what we know of rome as a culture and the fact that they just assimilated everything that they were around then by association we have to assume that they're doing the same with the music while the greek is definitely where they're pulling the most from as far as you know they we do know that they pulled from them the the idea of music theory and pulling from them the modes and under the understanding of how music works and the reason we know this is because that survived into our next era but um, as far as which area they pulled the idea of chords from, or I, I don't think I have a s- sufficient answer for that. Hmm. But I do have a I do have a theory because I don't think that the Romans focused as much on technical proficiency. In a way, they focused a little bit more on simplicity. If you'll notice, there, even though we now have chords and chord structures, a lot of these songs have much simpler structures and melodies to them. But in they a were way, pop they're yes. But in a way, it's it uh, makes them a little bit more advanced because we've now moved a little bit more towards modern song structure. There's there's more thought being put into it rather than just we're just gonna play have this one chord underneath and then just play whatever you want. There's a little more architecture and design going into it. Uh, we want to pair these things together specifically at this moment and then press. It's like it's more being arranged rather than um, than improvised. Another question I have is on instrumentation. Did we have brass instruments in the Greek era? Um, no, I do not believe so. Because in and again, since we don't know 
I mean, there was there was a song with brass instruments in, and I was just like, that's a major musical development. If if that if the case was that there were actually brass instruments in mm-hmm. the era. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that this is the first era of of brass instruments. That's a big deal. Yeah, that that they, is a big deal. Yeah, they had uh, they had early forms of the tuba and um, early, you know, trumpets, and uh, they even had early versions of bagpipes. Oh yeah. Ooh, which well, yeah, which they... we hear pretty prominently on one of the songs in this set. Yeah, I have many opinions on that. I will tell you. Both good and bad reasons why I think that's interesting. So, yeah. We'll, would, we'll get there. We'll get there. I would say that that's probably as far as um, technologically in music, that might be the biggest leap forward i i will say i i i know that our conversation about the songs is going to be where the meat of the episode is because like it's like the greeks again like artistically we had so much to talk about how music influenced their life with rome we don't really have that but like the i have more to talk about about like the 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 conceptual musical leaps and bounds that were made, even though it wasn't as, it doesn't seem like it was as much a part of Roman life. Like there's a lot of things about the music that we're going to be listening to today. That is, I mean, extremely interesting. Why, like how they're writing it in comparison to how Greek was. Mm-hmm. All right, well, then I guess that we can go ahead and make a break here and get over to that section. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and we're going to talk about the episode or the songs that we picked for this episode. So stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Roman music for a little bit and a little bit about the Roman culture and how it has to do with all of the things we're going to be talking about in this segment. So for those of you who are new, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hope you enjoy the episode. Um, Lucas, could you explain to them what I mean by the six songs that we've selected for this episode? What is that? So this is the part where we get to really concretely talk about the music uh, featured in the episode. So in the way that we do it with our music history episodes, these are the songs that are going to illustrate what the music of that time sounded like. And and of course, now, still at this point, this is more speculative of what it might have sounded like. But we... um, 
are still pretty confident that this is what it sounded like. And then I also try and still and arrange it in a way to where there is a flow from start to finish to where it's not just six random ancient songs, but rather, um, you know, you can have a pleasant listening experience, songs transitioning off of each other and so on and so forth. So um, if you want to listen to these songs, there is a link in the episode description to a Spotify playlist where you will find not only these songs, but all the songs from our previous episodes. So make sure you go check those out. And let's go ahead and get into our first song, which is Terra Tantera. I will say this is probably the best way you could have started a set. It does. It's really weird that I mentioned power metal earlier because it does sound like the beginning of a power metal album yeah i can i can definitely see that um i just thought it'd be cool to like especially when i was listening to the record this was like the fifth song on and i was just like oh i gotta put this at the beginning yeah yeah it sounds like sounds like there's an announcement yeah fanfare like the beginning of star wars or something yeah heralding the this new era of music and it's just it's all a bunch of riffing all over the the major chord you know um and i i we talked in the last segment about um romans kind of doing the whole theme and variation thing this is the epitome of that you know it's there's almost like verse chorus sections to it and they'll stop and then they'll repeat but it'll be slightly different you know they'll they'll repeat a certain line a different number of times or they'll play it slightly different or they'll add this new harmony or whatever and so i think this was a great way of introducing that idea and that idea that's persuasive persuasive pervasive through the whole set yeah we uh we instantly hear a lot of new ideas in in this even though it's very simple like they're really only playing a couple of different notes and they're holding them out for long extended periods of time. But we're already now seeing some advancements in, in music theory and application. I mean, mm-hmm. the big one being, you've said it already a couple of times, harmony. Yeah. The yeah. And harmony that's not just, too. Harmony that's not just made up on the spot. It's like they know these notes sound good together. Let's play them together multiple times because it sounds good, right? That's that's what a chorus is, you know. And it and it, it's just it's also the fact that we do. I think uh, Ethan mentioned brass. Was this the song you were yeah. referring to? Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds right like right as I heard this, I was like brass. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I wasn't expecting. I guess it makes sense with all like the metal working that was going on in the Roman era that they would have figured out how to manipulate metal. Ooh, it makes sense to me. Uh, I just you wasn't know. like whenever I heard it, I was like, I didn't think that we were going to get to brass till. I mean, way later. I mean, yeah. the, the Romans were not stupid. They understood their yeah. metallurgy. So I would not be surprised. <laughs> I like the the use of uh, call and response 
and and oh yeah that's true. that that's the that was one of the things that stuck out to me in terms of like it was a little bit more difficult to pick for my ear to pick up the ver like a verse chorus like anything that was like similar in that way but but it I was hearing sections based on like there was a section where they would call and response and then there was a section where they would be in unison and then there was a section of call and response and then there was another section of unison and I think that goes back to it makes a little bit more sense if this is all based on dance it makes sense that the call and response is there I can I can what kind of dance though you know uh back back to um back in the day like I can imagine like like the male partner doing a dance and then the female partner doing a dance as a response you know and then like it almost sounds like it would go well for like a line dance you know what I mean where they like they like announce the new like slide to the left you know I don't know that's what I think of but, but in, in, the, in a dance contest, a dance contest, contest. Well, that was that was pretty common back then, where it's like the males will all do one dance motion together, and then the females will all do that same dance motion together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That may very well be it. Then again, it's all speculation, but it's all speculation. At least, in, at least in terms of the can... music, I was I was feeling a lot more of like the song being driven by the juxtaposition of call and response for a section and then unison for another section, which we did not get any hint of that with the Greek at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. More structure. Yeah, more structure. Even if it's, it's not it's, the typical Western yeah. way that we would structure it, there is there is a rhyme and reason behind what they're playing. Mm-hmm. And they do give that silence to allow your ear to reset and then realize, oh, they're silent again. They're going to start over. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. like, a, like a stumbling over itself, you know, over and over again. And that's something that, that we do in modern music. I mean, can you imagine if your verses and your choruses sounded dynamically the same? I mean, it would just, music would be so boring. But because you have you know, the pauses between notes. It's it's the space between the notes that really matters. That's what I'm trying to say. Silence is golden. Yeah. It's not it's not the notes, but it's the space in between. Do you think that they meant to end on the six at the very end? After being in that major chord the whole it time. It sounded like it was the third almost. It was the high note was playing the one and then the bass note mm-hmm. was playing the six. Oh, See to me, my my ear wants it to go to the four chord after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It sounds so unresolved, and and yeah, I I think that if somebody were to compose that this song today, they would not have ended there. No, they would because not. Because we know we kind of have a more of a, a musical understanding of where to go from there. Yeah. But I think this is almost before that they understood how to do tension and get, get tension and release across in a melodic way, which I have more thoughts yeah. on tension and release later. But I feel like they were they understood melodic composition 
enough to do this, but they didn't understand it enough to be able to like know how to end the song like in a in a satisfactory melodic way without speeding it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. I love hearing you guys talk theory. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that takes us to our next song. Yes. Wait. No. I said everything I wanted to say. <laughs> Would you is, have anything else, Ethan? Uh, no. Um, it, it's it's just interesting to listen to. Uh, again, it's almost like I almost want to. I wish that I would have gone back and listened to the Greek and then listened to the Roman to because I'm I'm just I'm, I'm really going based off of like my memory of how I was perceiving the Greek. But I was mostly on all this stuff. I'm just impressed with like how far music has come, even though it wasn't culturally a big deal. So then maybe that's the thing that. Uh, going forward, right before you listen to the next era, listen to the previous era right before yeah, to kind of get you back in that mood, and then you can very it would clearly... make the black. It would make the the differences a lot easier to notice. Well, the differences are going to be v- very easy to pick up next uh, next yeah. month. <laughs> oh, no good. So our oh, second good. song is Calpurnia. Yes, which is actually probably my favorite of the set. Really? Oh, we're picking favorites. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. picking favorites. <laughs> okay. We do that every week. Well, then my favorite still <laughs> has yet to come up. Um, is this a loot? Yes. Because a this loot. sounds this sounds like a um, what's Lear. that Asian interest uh, instrument? Oh wait, not uh, sitar. Uh, no, the other one. Um, I know what you're saying. It sounds very oriental. I actually wrote that down, that the the timbre of it sounds oriental. Yeah. Like nylon stringed, um, maybe. No, I know what you're saying. Um, it's either the lute or the lyre. I, I'm not completely certain. Okay. Well, there you go. I think this one, <laughs> it, it, this one interests me because you have a drum section, and you have that backing section with the little fancy clanging cymbal sounds yeah. and whatever, and you have one melodic instrument. And instead of doing the Egyptian Greek thing of going around and turning into like maybe some kind of performance piece or just you know going wherever you want to with the music it's there's a theme and you stick to it it's 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 almost Mm -hmm. like the other extreme of like most of the 80s guitarist solo artists you know where they'd have that theme like think surfing with the alien right where you got that main theme but then he'll have solos in between this is like the main theme over and over again but you have like you know changes every once in a while it's a riff. Yeah. It's but just riffing. I really like that riff. Uh, yeah. I would say of all the songs, it's the one that's stuck in my head the most. To are, where I'm just like, yeah, are, I could still, I could hum that. There are definite sections to this. And this was the first yeah. time that I had heard um, harmony more, I guess, from from a modern standpoint where it's like I'm playing two notes literally at the same time. 
you know mm-hmm. that was the first time that we we hear that and this is the first time because whenever i first heard the brass one i was like i'm re- i'm pretty impressed at the call and response that's that's a thing but we still didn't really get any harmonic value outside of like we're pretty much just playing a major scale you know like what grant had said this is the first time that like in my mind i'm like there are there are um implied chord progressions happening in the song we don't get we don't get like the actual chord progressions and maybe that that might be pretty high brow for anybody that's not a musician to understand what i'm talking about um i'm just figuring out maybe a new way to explain it sometimes whenever you whenever you play a melody you play notes that are in that melody that kind of would go with a certain chord progression and you kind of don't know it so if you're listening to the song you'll kind of you'll you'll once the melody hits a certain way like you just kind of know you'll what kind of you kind of feel the chord behind it but there's no chord and that's and that's where on this like wow like and and i wonder yeah. it, it it sounds like it's on purpose but it was interesting to me that we hadn't progressed far enough to maybe understand how to compose a chord progression but we knew how to imply one well i'll I'll tell you right now we're already stuck on four four so we're probably one step away from that i don't know lucas could tell us but don't spoil it (laughs) um no we actually a, a lot of the things that we move forward here in this category are actually going to be lost when we get to the next portion oh. of history. Um, it's it, Music takes a really weird, maybe probably the weirdest turn in the whole story. Oh, is- no, that's <laughs> when Limp Biscuit started. It's like all the bands like we talk about needing like if you're gonna change the like genre or like a big feel of your band, you need the transition record. Yeah, we this don't get trans- it. we don't get a trans. Strange. The Dark Ages was was we didn't get a transition record in between Roman and the Dark Ages. Yeah, and there's a <laughs> and there's a very big reason for that, but you know that's something we'll get into in the next episode, but. Um, really kind of we get the continuation of this really when we get to the renaissance it's almost like there's this weird hiccup that happens in the middle ages where music almost completely resets and starts moving in a completely different direction like we just went back to ancient times but then we get the renaissance where all of the ancient uh, music and art and technologies was is rediscovered and it's almost like now we're back where we picked up so the the continuation of these particular uh, musical innovations we're gonna get to really kind of see that flourish in a couple months probably actually the beginning of next year um, I think the January music history episode is when we'll get to kind of really see these particular musical structures come to their logical conclusion. Yeah. 
good, good. But I'll say for Calpurnia, this this is the most familiar feeling song. This is the most really? western sounding song to me in in the maybe with the exception of one of them. This is this is the most I would like, agree with western that. structured song where we have we have the we have kind of a verse chorus like more traditional we have little symbols in there we have a drum beat like there's like whenever the song changes timbre it changes timbre and and unlike ancient greek music or some of those that we were listening to even though they were interesting it was kind of like i'm kind of lost in in the space of the song this is like so structured Mm-hmm. The elements are coming together, sir. <laughs> oh my goodness! I still don't um, think it's my favorite, but I would say this is the most, um, the most probably to most of the listeners, they would say like this song is is extremely palatable to like a, a, a modern yeah. ear. Mm-hmm. Now there is a little bit of musical foreshadowing in this song with regards to the cymbal clangings so you i mean lucas you're a drummer and ethan you are too like when in modern music when we hit a cymbal it's to signify like a big like change on the one you know like we're changing a chord we're changing a section in rock or whatever right but but these cymbals they're more of like little accents they're usually kind of at the end of a phrase Mm mm-hmm and they show up later specifically in the very next song that they're kind of almost like their own little like attention grabber yeah for like just that moment instead of accentuating what's behind it they're like they're the thing mhm i like so this weird to us. it's like i feel like it in if we're just talking about percussionists adding in cuz in um in the Greek music, whenever we were talking percussion, it was like there's that like one drum sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have that drum sound. In this, we're hitting the, not only are we hitting the drum in different places now, like we like can hit the center of the drum or we can hit the side of the drum. Whoa, you know. So now we have two sounds off <laughs> of a drum. We've also we're also like oh we can add another percussion element and that is like the cymbal, and so now we have like a ding sound that we can use. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's like the percussion. I mean, and that also kind of goes with like the the advent of uh, being able to manipulate brass, which is probably why we haven't we didn't hear them as uh, as like clear and crystal as now. The brass. All right. He well, loves that wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm excited to get to my favorite song of the set. Oh, and it has interesting because you were kind of talking about um, that you were not as much of a fan of this instrument. That I'm is not highly... not at all. I think what? and I'm going to overlook it because I. Th- think i honestly i can see some like i don't know some band trying to like 
have a very insane sounding intro, they would do something like this. But if you really, if you really break, it, it sounds kind of tortured almost. But if you really break down what the notes are, I, it's yeah. actually, it's actually it's beautiful. Really, it's really beautiful. It's really nice. There's some like, there's some crazy like minors with a with a major two over it, and and that's a really <laughs> yeah. nice chord. And and maybe it's just them kind of fiddling around, you know, but I think, I think it sounds like it was intentionally just cluster chords that they, and they knew what they were doing because that is something that would be composed today for real, like unironically today. That's why I like it so much. That's why it's my favorite. By the way, the song we're talking about is called Arethusa. Yes. Just so that's clear, um, and so is this. Is this the bagpipes earlier? Yeah, th- bagpipes? this is called an escales. I probably said that completely wrong, but a s k a u l e s. So I do have to ask: Is it mechanically the same? Um, work the same way and all that. Um, I am not completely sure. Okay. I just I know that. <laughs> I wanted to see if you knew, but okay. Um, and and once again, we do have the symbols that have their own little sections, especially in that first part where the bagpipes kind of, well, the quote unquote bagpipes cut out, and then the symbols have their little moment. Uh, yeah, a little drum break, right? And 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 this is a this is a really a b part of the song. So I I guess we can talk about the first part first before moving on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this song is I've said everything I want. Very yeah, yeah. The I the first time that I heard, I had to listen to the song twice. Yeah, um, I because I was like, there's some intricate melodic things happening and it was it was so intricate that i wondered the kind of same as you grant i was like it's it's so much more intricate than anything else that's on the set list that i was like i i don't even know if it was on purpose or accidental (laughs) you know what i'm saying though because like yeah if you listen to it and like the first time i listened to it i was like that's pretty jumbled up but I but I would hear yeah, stuff it, and I'd be like, that's that's a really complicated thing that they're doing. And then it, once I listened to it the second yeah. time, I, I think one thing with the bagpipes that I just don't um uh and this is gonna sound like kind of prudish, amateur bagpipe players and in really any amateur woodwind or brass player, like there's a lot it of it sounded in- so pitchy. Yeah, there's a lot of that, intonation yeah. issues with whoever the two players were of the instruments. Um, it was just there's a lot of stuff that was just out of tune, and so once I listened to it the second time, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna imply, like, I'm just gonna almost like imagine that it's in tune. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? <laughs> yeah, I had, I had to do that too. I had to do that too, and it's what made me 
realize that it's actually a good song. When I first listened to it, I hated this song. It's like, why did Lucas put this song on the list? It's so bad. And they're dragging and then, down some of the chords. Like, yeah. And it was, <laughs> I was like, whoa. Such... <laughs> but but even, <laughs> even when, you know, even when somebody, you know, even when you're, 11 year old cousin plays smells like teen spirit and does it terribly it still smells like teen spirit yeah that's right i'm just saying you you guys may not like that song i kind of like grunge oh oh i i love smells like teen spirit okay making sure some people just really just don't like that song i'm a big nirvana fan we have a nirvana episode i know i know if you like nirvana Go check out our Nirvana episode. There you go. Plugging Nirvana in the middle of ancient Roman music. Um, I love the little symbol sense. things. Like sometimes in between, whenever they're going through those complicated chords, it just cuts out. Yeah. It's like, ding. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, yeah. It, it sounds so campy. It sounds like it sounds like a like a sci-fi episode. But I like it. Some some like early in the morning, you know, seventies sci-fi. Where it's like they're trying to go like meet yep. the desert people or whatever, and they have to do the desert people ritual, and then they like there's the ding, and it's like it's so I don't know, but I don't I, know how to explain it. It, it is like it's because it's, it's kind of cliche, but it's, it's not so... cliche in terms of like that this was the first time that they anyone had done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not cliche if you're the first one doing it. And so I, Guys, I, heard it and I was just like, whoa, like that's a like being able to just kind of be like a little punctuation mark almost. And it was like, Lucas, that's something. Can we name our next band the Desert People Ritual? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me of that ghost song. Because that would be a great band name. <laughs> that actually would be a great band name. The Desert okay. People Ritual. The Desert People Ritual. Or that'd be a or, great album name. Or a great album name, uh, like a concept record. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, kind of like um, Power Emperor Slave. Sin. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So yeah. The first <laughs> half. The first half of this song. The first half of this song is a melodic and chordal like intricate it's like just every time i listen to it i'm like wow like the tip like the and that's what makes me think i i i don't know if it's it's super accurate or if they did on accident or whatever because it's like it's so much more complicated and because i was talking before i was like i don't think that they understood tension and release in a melodic fashion and nowhere else in the entire set list do they even come like if this is level 10 like everything else is like max level three like we're talking like (laughs) implied (laughs) implied core progressions is like a big deal and then i heard this imagine if they had what imagine if they had string instruments at this time and we could hear that on string instruments that's what i think of that's and that's my thing and i know that i don't know if this was on purpose or on accident but whatever it is it's amazing and it's yeah big stark and why i almost say that is that the second half of this song is so completely different completely different and what i would expect out of what h roman would roman music would be than the first half this is like the one 
of this set where it's just it goes so many different places um and yeah the second half there's i think there's drums on it right yeah and there's there's that gradual acceleration of everything and it's uh the woodwinds playing that same theme over and over again Mm -hmm. and there's that harmony behind it and this was the harmony that i mentioned um last segment about how they are one of the woodwinds just only playing on the five and the other you, one is the one you hear it as around. the five i hear it as the five i hear it as uh as uh could be my as a six okay well i was i was just thinking in a minor context that might be it maybe in a dorian context i'll say that um because whatever anyway but but point being is it's always on the same note and they're constructing the harmony that way instead of the parallel harmonies that we had with greek music you know and that's something that we do all the time i mean there's even a a dream theater song uh, surrounded you know off of images and words when he plays that really fast arpeggiated section but you know it, it's a bunch of triplets but two of the triplets don't move at all but it sounds like it's a really big harmony and it's the same way with this one because of those changing intervals it has different moods and so it makes it sound more complex than it is but it's really just nothing it's genius yeah and i think similar to the similar to greek music and it makes it also still makes sense that this is in the context of dancing, but like building tension and release with a tempo change, like yeah. with a gradual ramp up in tempo. That's the, um, this song and another song both do that. I, I feel like that, that stays maybe until whatever the next, um, episode is, but the, um, yeah, it makes sense from a dance context that it's like, oh, well, let's just get faster and it's kind of more fun or whatever. But I'm I'm hearing that harmony as a six, and so I was like, I'm. It's kind of weird to hear like I'm like we're holding on that minor chord and and like speeding it up. I'm just like, am I supposed to be happy or sad? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> is this like a somber <laughs> song or not? Because it kind of starts out. I'm like, oh, this is kind of like sad, like and kind of reverent. And then it's like it then it speeds up, and I'm like, "Oh, is this?" It, it almost sounds it. like <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> it's almost like it's like mounting dread, almost. But I, yeah, really? I also feel like I also feel like <clears throat> speeding up songs in modern culture, we, we associate faster tempos with more upbeat songs. Mm-hmm. And and that might just be a Western ear thing where it's like the another song is faster. I'm like, oh, it's like dancey kind of now. And just the way that the song melodically is laid out, my Western ears interpreting it as like I'm confused because like I feel like this should be happy and it's not. I I will say this: this is not the only instance of the acceleration at cello rondo yeah. that we have in the set. I think that the next instance that we have of it is probably the one that has to do with a lot of like intense fear much more than this one, much more mounting dread. And we can talk about it when we get there. 
I just want to point out that in the same way that you guys are learning when I'm providing the historical context, I am absolutely learning so much from you guys. <laughs> just you guys talking about all the theory, like it's that's why I'm not talking as much is because I'm listening. I'm just like, man, this is all really cool and fast. I never even picked up on this. I listen to music so much more just on my on my gut reaction. And again, that's why I picked the songs. It's just because I was just like, this song just feels like it has something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, not, I'm not yeah, picking thing, up on the, oh, listen to where they put the five or the six right there. Or, <laughs> I'm just like, hmm, this cool. sounds interesting. <laughs> Let's see if this works in a set. And this- if it does then I bet that they're going to have some great things to say about this. This art is bad. This bagel is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I could never be a movie critic. Um, The other thing in this song, this is kind of the first time that we hear like one drum having like really having multiple tones. Yeah. That's the thing that I appreciated. This is an instance of that, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm ready for this. That's <laughs> This next song is titled Prex. Yes. This is going to yeah. be our, our our song with lyrics. This? Yeah. Don't ask whenever, me to interpret them, though. Whenever I was listening to this, this caught me so, so awesome. It was yeah. like a jump scare moment for me. I was just like, what the heck is happening? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> but whenever it's... her voice came in, I, it scared me. <laughs> there, there's like <laughs> 20, 30 seconds of just music, so you're not expecting it. It's almost like the introduction to a documentary. That's what it sounds like to me. Like, because there's kind of somewhat you know, free flowing music and it's whatever, kind of and some percussion every, every once in a while. And, and then her voice comes in just like reciting something. And I'm like, I feel like I'm watching national geographic. Like, I don't know how else to like explain it, but I'm sure that's not what's happening, but that's, that's kind of the feeling that it gets. And as we go through the song though, the music will change and it'll get more intense or it'll get less intense or whatever. And it, and the music itself takes twists and turns. And even though I have no idea what she's saying, I'm sure it's something that has to do with some kind of plot and the plot thickens and gets more intense and there's more peril for the characters or whatever. And it's portrayed in the music. And, and so I guess they have, and understand like a deep understanding of the moods that music can give and this they know how to like, pull on those strings this feels like storytelling yeah and so it's like going back to like almost like drama like movie for theater because this is this feels more like a score to me that's what i, I what i wrote down is like this is like scoring yeah yeah is this also this is extremely oriental modally really oh yeah i didn't notice that at all because you got it's like it's in harmonic minor really 
Mm-hmm. See, uh, I, I was just like, whoa, this I'm used to harmonic So, like, I don't... I don't know. Okay. I guess I'll have to listen to it again and, and notice that. And all, like, the trills. Like, they, it's just, like, everything about it is, like... I mean, it's, like, screaming oriental at me. And maybe... Oh, I got you now. It's just you had to say trills, and that's what did it. Yeah, <laughs> and like the just like the the bending of the notes and stuff. I wish that I knew. Lucas, do you have any idea what she's talking about? I do not, because mm. again, because I had to search. I don't have like there's no lyric sheet to this, or um, to where I have any kind of idea of what exactly she's. T- to me, this felt. Like it could have been ceremonial. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what I got. Something or, with you know, like something ritualistic. I I almost kind of see it as like playing off the whole documentary thing of like some kind of exposition to some sort of thespian setting. Like you know, they're they're at, it's like the beginning of a musical or a play or something, and she's like giving narration. Or, yeah. yeah, or it's like that's the narration of what's happening on stage. Mm-hmm. National Geographic. I was pretty impressed with whoever the player was of the instrument. Like, just like from a performance standpoint, it was pretty good. Yeah. And, and no no tonal issues <laughs> you know <laughs> and for it to pretty much stay in the same mode the whole, t- whole time we, we kind of get I mean we're kind of staying on like there's no chord changes really you know I don't, I don't really feel any implied chord changes but like not as, not as much as the other stuff because well, that's not the focus of the song right but like the the performance of like the dynamics and and changing octaves in the middle of it and and uh-huh. just everything is just like that's really good. It's just just kind of a simple. I mean, it gets across what it's supposed to get across. I really wish that I knew what the lyrics were. I feel like that's that's like that that was the one thing that I was just like I I really really wonder what is being said in the song. But I guess it doesn't yeah, really matter. That too, yeah. To me, it's just like the performance of like the storytelling. It's like scoring. I was just like, that's pretty impressive that we get. It's less of like the religious kind of ceremonial stuff that we saw in the other ancient musics, where it's like chanting or like whatever you know, and it's more <laughs> and it's more like the point of having the music is to is to push whatever the story is along. That was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, this whole, this time that we have so many uncertainties on what's going on, like, Mm -hmm. because of the fact that this is not going to be attempted recreations, and because the the nature of recreations like these is that there's not going to be a lot of public data about them because they tend to have inherently small audiences to begin with like the besides us doing this 
investigation and analysis. Most of the people that listen to this stuff are already scholars of this kind. Yeah. Like no one's no one's gonna put this album on and just go, man, I'm just in the mood for some ancient Roman music today. <laughs> yeah. And not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just that that's just not what people would even think to do. But whenever no. we get to stuff that actually has been written down and has been recreated yeah. exactly and faithfully, then we just naturally have, because we have the sheet music that tells us these instruments are being played. These are the words. And because we have the words of these historically significant pieces of music, you know, it'll be very easy or a lot easier to get translations for things. Yeah. And well, you know, I won't be guessing on, well, I think they're playing this instrument or yeah. I think that this was used in this type of setting. You know, it'll be, you know, it'll be a lot easier to say, this is exactly what this is. This is what's being played. This is what's being said. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of be in a bit sure, more sure-footed place. Mm-hmm. I still respect Prex just because, again, in, in my brain, I just categorize it as like a really, really early version of scoring like a, a movie or a story. And I still think that, that has a ton of artistic value, even though there's not a ton to talk about because it's pretty much one instrument and a vocal. It's impressive that we even got to that point of like combining storytelling and music in this period. Mm-hmm. And I think that also has to go back to Greek separating religious, like religion and music as being like mutual, ex- like, like together. And they made them exclusive, you know? And so mm-hmm. we kind of get almost like maybe coming back a little bit together to be like, oh, it can be used to still create a big emotional thing. But this is really, I mean, a good example of that to me. All right, wow. I think we can I think we can go on to the next song. That was deep. And what? Let's go on to a really scary song. Well, ecstasis. Okay, ecstasis. Is that how it's pronounced? Not ecstasis. Ex ecstasis. Floating yeah. around in ecstasis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the other Achel Rondo that I was mentioning, um, but instead of having the harmony where one keeps the note, they actually parallel each other, kind of like what the uh, Greek music did. But instead of kind of paralleling, paralleling each other in scale, they do a Slayer thing where they just keep the same interval and do it over and over and over again. Uh, you know, that's what most of okay, not most. That's what lazy metal is is just intervals that are repeated over and over again in the same riff um and this was the one where the drum kind of sounds like a heartbeat i don't know if i mentioned that already but the drum is kind of like a bum 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 it's like on the it's it's it it's if it's in four four it's yeah. on the one and the two it's like um, oh it's on the, the and, and a four and the one 
Okay. That's okay. It, it, That's okay. It, either one. Sorry. It, it, it sounds like a heartbeat yeah. is my point. And so um, as, as the thing, as the song gets faster, that heartbeat gets faster and you, and you kind of feel a sense of like, what's going to happen. I have no idea. And then eventually gets to the point where the instrumentalists like can't keep up with the tempo, but like, it sounds weird for them to like start getting lazy, but they start getting lazy anyway. So it starts sounding almost insane. And then they go up like an octave, like somebody like snapped or whatever, like mentally snapped. It just, this is like, this is stoner metal of Roman era. (laughs) Yeah. If the last one was National Geographic, this is Stoner Metal. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> this one this, this one is interesting just because it's, you know, you've got um so this is a an instrument carried over from ancient Greece called the Aulos. If you remember um, the, it's just the type of flute that they used. If you remember it being used in our Greek music, but pretty much now, this, kind of, yeah, you kind of play two notes at once, kind of thing. Yeah, because it's two uh, instruments pretty much combined into one. You've got it's, it creates like a V shape, and you have holes in each one. And you play with both hands at the same time. It's a very visually impressive instrument. Um, and it's pretty much like supposed to be an ancient version of the oboe. It's meant to kind of, um, or like a clarinet, meant to have the same effect. Um, but yeah, you've just got this this com- constantly repeating pattern that just gets faster and faster and faster, and it's it is almost a little maddening. And I felt like that this was good to kind of put after the slightly creepy prex and just kind of, you know, helping to increase the tension. Yeah. And so I thought that this would be an interesting way to have as a penultimate uh, selection. I, I will say at this point in the set, I think this is probably like by far the best of the emotional arcs of the ancient music. Well, we're not ancient anymore, are we? But, but well, uh, they, we are, this is the last of the ancient. Okay. Though. But th- this is pro this is by far the best emotional arc of the music history we've had so far of all three, of course, but um, just because there's themes that are carried over, right. We had the, the kind of, the kind of creepiness with the last one, and now we have the real maddening creepiness here, you know? And so it's and like... A, where, and a reprise of the, of the acceleration. Yes, and it's kind of like, where is it going to end kind of kind of feeling? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how, you know, Echel Rondos are. I mean, Stairway to Heaven is one giant Echel Rondo. The way they ended it was they just finished with a solo and then just went back to the original tempo. Mm-hmm. You know? but we don't have guitar solos in ancient Rome. So what are we going to do? You know, and, and that's, that is the feeling you get is what are we going to do? 
in a in a in a scary way, not in a like, hey, what are we gonna do today? But like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, because I really didn't know the difference. I, I wanted to. <laughs> You know what I mean. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, and then um, I thought it would be nice to just have it resolve in a very serene way at the end with the last song. Yeah, that's what I noticed. It was kind of, we kind of returned back to insanity. Not insanity, te- back to sanity. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought that I thought that was a good pick because it was. It, we we can get there when we get to unless you want to go ahead and move on. Uh, I I figured that we probably had everything to yeah. say. Unless, There's really okay. not a ton to say about ecstasies. There isn't, but <laughs> this is. It's, it's, it's the, the same Lyra. four notes that, and they get faster. Go listen to this it. Is, this is Ipsa <laughs> Lyra. Yeah, is this is my favorite song. Really. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we're back to lyre based, and yeah. we don't do any of the kind of gimmicks that you know we've done before. We don't do any accelerating. We don't have weird like instruments. We don't have you know crazy harmonic ideas that aren't crazy to us anymore, but are probably crazy at that time. This just seems like a very normal song to kind of bring us back to we're still in the realm of music I think what I appreciate about this was this is the only song obviously I'm by the way I'm Arethusa the beginning uh, part of Arethusa I'm not even counting as even in the same league as any of the other parts of this set list (laughs) I'm just like almost. I'm always like it, it's so much, it's so much more musically dense than anything else. I'm just like it's separate a little bit. But other than that, like this is like the only time that we get like almost like an established baseline. Really? Yeah, because okay. like they are they're actually changing chords on purpose, with with no chord implications. Like you actually get a bass that's like bum bum. Bum, bum. Like actually changing chords, like legitimately changing chords. Oh. And I was like, and I was like, wow. Like we act like this is the first modern day. Like we actually have like a low end mel- melodic structure, obviously other than the crazy, you know, bagpipe insanity, you know. But we actually get something where it's like some some juxtaposition from uh, the top line melody, which even that is still even pretty complex. I know, like if 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 anyone goes to listen to the Spotify playlist, like whenever you listen to it, you'll kind of notice what I'm talking about. Where it's like melodically, it's really. Uh, it's not complicated like they're just doing a bunch of crazy stuff but like you could like put words over this and sing it and add different instrumentation and you'd be f- decently fine as as a as a song structure in modern day 
that that is something I'd love to do if we if we all had more time. I know we don't, but but every month picking one of the songs from the <laughs> from the industry and just like reimagining it. I feel like we would either pick this one or we'd pick um, Arethusa. You know, but I mean, we Let's don't have our, time for that. I wish back we did. Out and. Arethusa well, sounds like another great like um, like if we were gonna do a metal cover of any of these that we would do it of Arethusa, and then we would call it Arethusa, and people would be like, "That's metal." Yeah. Oh yeah. And we <laughs> would name ourselves the palace, the desert temple yeah. people ritual. The, the desert, desert people ritual. The desert people ritual. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I love wow. it. Yeah, the main reason that I like this was like melodically, we are pretty advanced melodically, and we have like the actual like kind of an anchor baseline, like something to anchor us in, like where we're at melodically and where we're at rhythmically. And I was like, "That's, well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal yeah. in the formation of music as uh, holistically, because even in in Terra uh, Terra." was it Terra Tantera? Yeah. In that, it's like we're kind of just outlining a major chord, you know, and we have some call and response, but we really, it's like getting the tempo locked in, that's a little bit trickier, but in Ipsilira, it's just like, I am I am following where this song is at the entire time, and it's because yeah. it's because of, I guess, the advent of having this baseline structure. And, the, and I, I hope that we don't necessarily lose that whenever we go. I know we lose a lot of things in the next episode. I but. I I will agree with that now that you say that, but I almost wonder that I thought this was normal because it sounds like music we have today. That's right. To songs. And it's and the big innovation on this one is not in the treble frequencies. It's not in the mid frequencies. Yeah. It's it's in the implied nature of of chords. Yep. Crazy. Mind blowing. And all that chords. I think serves the uh it seems to be a good bridge into the future. Yes. It is. This is a good set. Wow. I'm happy. Thank you. <laughs> with 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 stuff like this, it's um uh it's tough to kind of gauge whether um you guys will be receptive cuz it's just, you know, like I'm, I I listen to. It, I'm just like, I mean, I like this, but man, it's so different from anything that's out there today. It's very primitive, and so it's always nice to to hear that you guys are digging it as well, and and see so much that I'm just feeling on a more gut level in instinct. So, I think with that, we can go ahead and wrap up this segment and move on to our final thoughts. So we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to um, say what we think about ancient Roman music and wrap things up. So stay tuned. 
listening to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our six songs on the Spotify playlist for ancient Roman music, which was Terra Tantera, Calpurnia, Arethusa, Prax, Ecstasis, and Ipsilira, which seriously, if you, ha- if you listen to our conversation about them and haven't listened to it, go listen to it like right now. The link is in the description. But for now, we are on to our last segment before after hours called final thoughts and this is just where we uh we just talk about our our new thoughts and opinions on roman culture and roman music so grant uh i guess after our conversations today about ancient roman music like what what has changed for you what are your final thoughts I don't know if there's much change as far as my understanding of Rome. I always, in school, learning about Rome was one of my favorite parts of, it was always the um, early to mid 20th century and ancient Rome that really fascinated me, you know, and in history class and whatever. And so I always knew that like Rome was like the big uh, political influencers of even into the modern world and but i i never learned anything about their art but it makes total sense to me that they would just be giant assimilators because that's what they always were they were bringing you know mm. egyptian culture to the spanish and vice versa and so being a giant kind of like beatles conglomeration of different music I don't think we heard that or talked about that as much as maybe we should have in this Mm -hmm. set. I wish we would have touched on that more now looking back. Um, But I think that um, the listeners, if they go back and look at the listen to Spotify playlist, then they'll definitely be able to pick up on some things that were kind of similar to, you know, Egyptian music, but not Greek and vice versa. And I I appreciate more now the little gimmicks like having the um, fifth be an easy harmony and, you know, a cello rondos and being in four, four and instruments that stay on pitch, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's so how far we've come as far as instrumentation and being able to record everything. And yet at the same time, it's so much the same. It's the same, just throwing ideas together and see what works and just play with what you think comes to mind and, and come, come up with music that you think works and go with it. That's what most music is. If you enjoy it, you're going to play it, you know? And I think that's what Rome is. They didn't want to make their own music. They, whatever they enjoyed, that's what they listened to. That's what they played. That's okay. You know, you don't have to be your own thing if you don't want to be your own thing. That's That's kind of sad. That's kind of sad, but like, yeah, that's, I'll leave with that. That's what I was going to say is I think one of the big learnings for everyone listening is that especially if you're an artist is whenever we listen to ancient greek music and they had the in the in the greek renaissance it was like there was a lot of like that is invented 
we invented this, you know, this concept is new. With Rome, I think the creative the creativity comes less from invention and the creativity comes more from like collaboration and and listening to new things. It's I think the creativity is coming more out of inspiration based on your culture rather than just like inspiration due to a personal epiphany. Cuz you cuz again like implied chords stuff like that that i mean music exists like it like the concept exists before it's invented you know what i mean but someone probably heard from like egypt where it's like oh this sounds great let's just do that you know what i mean oh this sounds awesome let's do that and of course uh, inventing roads you know it's the same with i feel like nowadays we're like because of the internet the internet is now the melting pot yeah we're getting a ton of um i I guess not original but it's the only word i know how to use like more original sounding music now because like jazz is is incorporating like good pop elements or like digital sounds and metal is not just in the like metal doesn't have its head down just like what's metal doing like metal can now like be inspired by any genre and any anyone can be inspired by any genre now because we have access to hear everybody else's music now and so that's pushing music forward in a lot of ways just based on seeing what everyone else is doing um and i think that um it's interesting to hear Roman music from the idea of it's starting to become familiar because I think that the big core concepts of melody are established at this point. Like what we still know today is like what, what melodically sounds good. It's almost like it took until the Roman era for people to be like, yeah, you know, like that, that sounds good that is good and it's not just because it's ceremonious and it's not just because it it makes you feel a certain way it's like we we've it's almost like society as a whole had like their it's like they got ear training as a as a holistic unit and i hope that we don't lose that because it seems like in the next one we start getting you know i don't know exactly where it's going to turn but it'll end up coming back to where it's like, oh, harmonies, like things that actually sound good come back. But it's still going to be established in whatever happened during the Roman period of time with everyone coming together. And almost everyone's cultures collectively combining helped all of culture as a holistic thing almost decide like, yes, this is what the human ear and the human mind thinks sounds good. There's a that's, lot what, of- that's what I appreciate about it. There's a lot of really big tie-ins with that final thought. That was a final thesis. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, Lucas. All right, man. How do I follow that up? <laughs> um, so, I definitely am approaching this not only from a historical standpoint, but it's interesting because I know what comes next. You guys are a little less knowledgeable about 
kind of what the next chapter is. And I think that that actually gives me an interesting viewpoint on what's going on here because almost everything that we gain in this part of music is almost completely destroyed with the fall of Rome. And we almost go back to a primitive era. And it's kind of interesting to see how we're actually almost on the cusp of Mm -hmm. a musical revolution and it gets delayed by about a thousand years man Mm -hmm. and we get this we have this next period that you know for almost a thousand years music barely changes and when the renaissance comes we have this this picking up of okay everything that you were that the Romans were experimenting with and just starting to discover and get a hold of, that's the point where everything starts to finally come to fruition. And I think that makes that interesting because I, I always, and I felt about this about Greek music as well. I didn't realize beforehand, before I listened to it, before I did all the research, how sophisticated and how modern it was. I always thought it was just an extension of our ancient music, our, what we looked at in our first episode, where it's just, oh, it's just people banging on their instruments. They kind of know what they're doing, but for the most part, they're just, you know, making it up as they go. Especially after hearing you guys talk about intricately what's going on with all the um, all the theory and what they're is really going on underneath um it shows that these guys really had a good understanding of how their instrument mm-hmm. worked or at least they were thinking about how to make the instrument work yes that there was an effort there was there was some f- form of effort of trying to understand what was going on and now i realize how close to the cusp they were of modern music mm-hmm. that had Rome not fallen, we may have gotten a 1000 year leap forward in musical innovation. And that's a very interesting thought. And I'm really excited to, to delve into the dark ages because the, I, I make it sound like music like gets really bad and it doesn't. It's just it just is very, very different, but is still also the the groundwork for modern music just in a different way. So yeah, so that's kind of the uh, the interesting perspective that I have. Um, I also just felt like that I, learned a lot from listening to you guys and it's I really love this of kind of having the one side that provides the historical and factual um, aspect and then the other side that is really showing the creative genius of what's going on so I'm really thinking that this is a great marriage of the different viewpoints coming together. Yep. Oh yeah. This is going to be a good series. 
What do you mean? We're on the third yeah. episode. We already know. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see. Again, I don't really know what's next in in musical history in terms of the next big milestone. I'm I'm interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see the reset, and I think it goes back to think just things in general flourish the more connected that everything is, and I think whenever we lost Rome, I mean we lost so we lost, and we talked about how politically and infrastructurally valuable it was um, and how, I guess, highly valued it was. And to lose lose all of that connectivity and to lose all of that ease of access to other cultures and ease of access to other ideas, um, I can see how it would be easy for whoever picks up the torch musically next to have literally no context at all for what came before them because of the lack of access. Well, it's not only that, uh, it's, it's actually an incredibly fascinating thing of what happens because it's actually intentional, man. There's, there's an intentional destruction and a limitation of what is going to be done musically. Oh, and naughty confirmed? Uh, not quite. <laughs> but same level of of um of secrecy. Really? And and just and a specific uh uh agenda to pervade the or prevent the oncoming wave of barbarism. But that is a going to be for next time. Mm, the I'm teaser. Wow. If you want to hear the next chapter of the story, make sure that you tune in next month when we talk about the Dark Ages. We'll talk about why they are dark and how actually the music that is made during this time was pretty much the only one of the only beacons of light in a very dark period of history. And don't forget, we have episodes every week. Next week, we're going to another volume two on one of Lucas's favorite bands. Oh, yes. One of my four pillars. One of your four pillars. Yeah. And we're We're going to be talking about Iron Maiden next week. And we're going to be doing another live take. So be sure to tune in on that. Yeah, I've had so much fun uh, discovering just doing these live episodes. Um, I never thought that I would make episodes based on live music, but it's become one of my new go-tos, especially for doing volume twos, even some volume ones. Like with Cheap Trick, I felt like that was the best way to start off Um, whenever we do Kiss I'm definitely going to start with their live music first. Yeah. And so just because that's, that's, you know, actually what broke them big was their live record. Same way that they did with Cheap Trick. So I will uh, say I am really disappointed that you didn't make a set based off of their epics. I hope that I know in the future. Well, after this live episode, when we return to them, we're going to be going 
chronologically through their history. Oh. So uh, we'll we'll get plenty of epics throughout. I'm a little nervous show. for the Iron Maiden episode because I am I am not an Iron Maiden buff. I, that's Iron Maiden. I. I don't know if I know any of the songs that they do. You get you get to be our brand new uh, listener. I, I will be pig. I will be the guinea pig. I only know Iron Maiden from the songs that I played that were Iron Maiden songs from Guitar Hero. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that actually can be good because then you get to um, provide a a fresh. Um, take and perspective on hearing them you get to talk about i just listened to these songs for the very first time and this was my impression yeah so we will save that conversation for the next episode yes we will be there uh thank you everyone so much for listening to us um hopefully you are liking this series and liking our episodes in general if you are please hit the subscribe button We've got links in the episode description, one that takes you to our Spotify playlist, the other one that takes you to our Patreon page if you want to support us and get exclusive content. Um, Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure to send us comments. Let us know who you would like for us to cover in the future. We've got a lot of really cool episodes a lot of episodes coming up in the future of getting us into genres and time periods that we haven't done yet. So we're going to get a lot of uh, diversity in uh, eras and styles. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. So until next time, I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.